Welcome to Brighton Adventure Story Podcast. Chapter 6 Red Hat James was wrong. He thought he wouldn't mind how long it took Jenny to decipher his message. But he did mind. He managed to make it to dinner time without thinking about it. Now, alone in his bedroom, he was worried that he'd made the coded message too difficult. Surely Jenny would remember what a Caesar cipher was. After all, it was one of the first clues in the code-breaking sheets from year six. Then again, that was more than two years ago, and it was him that had solved all the clues, not her. He sighed and looked at the message again. It was nearly half past nine, and he hadn't received a reply. He started encoding it again, this time by hand, with a simple letter-to-number substitution that even a year three could solve. Halfway through encoding, he got a message. It was from Annabelle, and it was in code. He copied the message content and pasted it into a spreadsheet. He'd written a little formula to encode-decode Caesar ciphers. He edited plus four to minus four and ran it. There were no problems with Jenny's encoding abilities. Her message deciphered perfectly. It was short and simple. Please can I borrow Squiduckin key? Leave in the shoe scraper. I will collect shortly. As short as it was, it raised a number of questions. Why did she need the key? And how could she collect it when she was isolating? James decided that the answer to both questions was the same. An adventure. And, lockdown or not, he certainly wasn't going to miss out on it. He dug the Squiduckin key out from the side of his bed. It was in a box with some other rather interesting and magical items from their adventures. The Squiduckin key was heavy and cold in his hand. He attached it to a lanyard and put it over his head, tucking it safely under his T-shirt. Then he put the box and the rest of its contents in his rucksack. If Jenny needed the Squiduckin key then she must want to get into the Wellsbourne Caverns. That was risky due to the rats. With the caverns in mind, he put a few more choice items, including a powerful torch, into his bag. Then he pulled a jumper on, just in case. At that time of evening, his parents would either be sitting in the kitchen or the living room. Either way, he could sneak out without them noticing. The chances of them checking on him before they went to bed were slim, but he rolled a blanket and put it under his duvet just in case, and turned off his light and crept out. At the bottom of the stairs, he heard his parents talking. They were in the kitchen, down the other end of the hall. He eased silently into his coat and shoes. Then an idea struck him, and he reached into his winter jacket and pulled out a knitted red hat and pulled it on. The front door stuck a little at the bottom and had the habit of making you yank hard before it gave in and jerked backwards. He gripped the handle hard and pushed his toe against the bottom of the door and pulled. It sprang open into his foot quietly enough, and he was out. The shoe scraper Jenny mentioned was an old Victorian thing built into the wall by James's front door. There was no way that he was going to leave the key in it, and he didn't want to hang around right outside his house either, in case one of his parents looked out and saw him. Still being quiet, he moved quickly through the little front garden and turned down the road towards Jenny's. Immediately, there were muffled footsteps on the pavement behind him. He glanced back to check that one of his parents hadn't followed him out. 
Jenny was coming down the pavement fast. Hey, she said quietly, where are you going? Down to yours, he said, stopping. I've got the key. I told you to put it in the shoe scraper, she said, sounding rather short. You don't need to be outside, and you're not even wearing a mask. I forgot it, he said. I was kind of in a hurry to leave. And I don't think either of us have anything to worry about with the virus. I just need the key. You can go back inside. Not until you tell me why, he said. It's not your business, she sounded annoyed, and I'm in a bit of a hurry. Come on then, he said. We can't stand around out here. Someone will notice us. Just walk with me, and I'll tell you why I think I'm safe around you at least. He didn't wait for an answer, but set off down the road. Jenny huffed, but followed. He spoke to her without turning round. I was thinking about it, he said. That thing that happened to me a few years ago, when I was poisoned and the priestess saved me. She put something inside me to stop the poison, to fight it. He led them over the road and left up the hill, away from Jenny's. Since then, I haven't been ill at all. Not a cold or a runny nose, nothing. No hay fever last summer, not even sunburn, and I usually burn in minutes. Jenny caught him up a few steps. You could still be carrying the virus, just like me, with no symptoms. I don't think so, James said, and I don't think it can affect you either. When the priestess cured your ankle at Christmas, she made you stronger. I don't think the virus could live inside either of us. That doesn't explain my dance group and everyone at the party getting the virus. I was the only link between those groups. You're the only link that you know about, James said. Any of the parents of either group could have had it. It's not like everyone's been tested. Jenny was silent. I'm not saying you were wrong to isolate, he added quickly. I think it was the right thing to do. More people should have done it. And I can't say for certain that we're not carrying it. I just think it's really unlikely we could catch it, and it wouldn't affect us if we did. No response again. Only the sound of footsteps. He had to have a quick look round to check that it was still her behind him, not some random stranger. I still need the squiduck and key. You shouldn't be out. You should go home, she said finally. And where are we going? I thought that as you wanted the key, you most likely needed to get into the Wellsbourne caverns, and the clock tower in Preston Park has a big fence around it at the moment. The next nearest entrance that I know of is... Blakers, she cut him off. The clock tower in Blakers Park. If you give me the key, I can walk the rest of the way. You haven't told me why you need the key, James said, both slightly annoyed but also slightly pleased that Jenny hadn't told him to go home again. And now I'm out, I might as well stay out for a bit longer. I'm going mad at home, and it's only Wednesday. I don't get to leave the house properly until after the weekend. You really believe that you can't catch the virus? she asked, her voice softening. I'm positive, he said. Not a chance. She caught him up, and they walked together to the park. Just like old times. She also caught him up about Hegel, Teddy, and the polecats. Those polecats sound similar to the Weasley creature I saw, he said. Certainly the same kind of nasty but I don't think mine had a yellow snout. From above, it was brown all over. Blaker's Park was a strip of green running down the hill near Fiveways. It had a medium-sized grassy field, a children's playground, and most importantly, a clock tower. There were a couple of dog walkers on the perimeter path, but otherwise the whole park was silent. The children stayed on the pavement until they were level with the middle of the park, then crossed over. The clock tower itself was a funny little grey-green affair in a fenced-off flower bed. It was as tall as a house, 
square on the side, and didn't look as if there could be much inside it at all. There were no doors or any visible ways to get in. James didn't care about that. He knew that there was a way to get inside. He and Jenny had used it to escape from the caverns a few years before. They jumped the low fence, and, once they found the side they were looking for, facing north, they located a small hole, more like a crack, in the base of the tower between two large grassy bushes. Jenny checked that there was no one watching, and James quickly pulled the squiduckin key out from under his clothes and fitted it into the crack. Not so fast, scam! a voice called out. James pulled his hand back fast in surprise. Either side of him, the bushes rustled as two huge rats stepped out in front of the secret door. They came up nearly as far as James's waist, were wearing tatty leather armour, and had weapons drawn and ready. One had an axe in each hand. The other had a short sword that might have once been a bread knife in a former life. Get out of here, both of you, the axe holder said, unless you want to hang around and give us a hand. And by that, the sword bearer added, it means he'll cut it off. Your hand, with his axe. We're here to see the Oratel, James said quickly. I needed to return something. Oh, you are, are you? The axe holder said. Go ahead, knock yourself out. And by that, the sword bearer said, he means he'll knock you out with a rock. It paused, clearly pleased with its interpretation duties. Then a quizzical look crossed its face. How do you know about the Oratel? Humans have got no business knowing things like that. They're a friend of ours, James said. They lent me this hat when I was cold. I want to give it back. He took off the red woollen hat, which had, in fact, been knitted by the aged rat that lived inside the clock tower, called the Oratel. Give it here, the axe rat said, resting one axe against the tower. James tossed it lightly, and the rat caught it and sniffed at it. It's rat wove, for sure, it said. And by that, the sword bearer started. Yes, yes, Jenny said in a slightly irritated tone. It's made by a rat. We need to go inside. It's quite urgent. The axe rat raised a ratty eyebrow and tossed the hat back to James, who put it back on. Urgent? It's a hat. How is that urgent? We're in a hurry to get home. If you hadn't noticed, things are not normal out here, and we'd rather not be out for longer than we need. Jenny folded her arms. All right, all right. No need to get your whiskers in a twist, the axe rat said. And by that, he means you may enter. The sword-bearer gave a slightly sarcastic bow and moved out of the way. James unlocked the secret door. Jenny stomped through with a huff. You're mercenaries, aren't you? James said before he stepped inside. The rats nodded. Is Zen about, or Bobby? They're old friends of ours. They're guarding Ratterston, not stuck out here with nasty humans, present company accepted, of course. They always get the best contract, those two. It's rigged. And by that, he means that no one's brave enough to challenge Zen. James went through the door and pulled it closed behind him. Jenny was standing still a few steps into the dimly lit room. James stood next to her and waited for his eyes to adjust to the light from a single candle. Opposite them, on a rocking chair that was too large for its body, or perhaps in a body that had shrunk too small for the chair, was the ancient-looking rat called the Oratel. Nothing was moving. The rat had the same crotcheted blanket over its knees, though its knitting needles were still, resting in one hand atop the blanket. James wanted to turn his torch on and have a good look around, 
but although the rat was blind, he felt he shouldn't. We should get going, Jenny whispered. Go? The old rat's voice creaked like a dry floorboard. But you've only just arrived. Despite my most efficient of protectors out there. Hi, sorry, we needed to get into the Wellsbourne Caverns, James said. We didn't mean to disturb you. If you didn't mean to disturb me, you would not have put that key in the door. The orattle opened her big, milky-white eyes, then closed them. You've grown too big for that hat. But I appreciate the thought. We're looking for a dog called Teddy, Jenny said. He's lost in the caverns. We need to find him quickly. A dog in the caverns? How unusual. The rat turned its milky eyes to Jenny. You changed too. And I don't mean you're older. It reached under the worn blanket. You might appreciate these. The orattle held up a pair of green knitted gloves. Jenny took them tentatively. Thank you. Come on, James, we've got to go. I hope you're not planning on visiting Ratterston. They've got enough troubles there to be getting on with. Only if Teddy's there, James said. Otherwise we'll keep clear. What's the trouble? Is Lord Ratzenberg up to something? Oh, no, the old rat shook its head. You've given him enough problems that he's keeping his head down. It's the long man and his pre-eminent companion. Keep away from them. The rat closed its eyes and was still. James wanted to ask more questions. He was sure the old rat could tell them more about the long man and what was going on in the town. Jenny tugged his arm. Come on, she said. We've really got to go. She was right. Teddy was the priority. He followed his friend out of the oracle's room and down the steep, winding tunnel in to the Wellsbourne Caverns. (laughs) 